we're talking about relationships and we're talking about dating or courtship, we need to recognize the importance of, of just starting off on the right foot. In other words, don't even consider dating someone unless they're a Christian. So um, that pretty much wipes out the whole idea of I go to a restaurant, I like the waitress, she's hot, I'm going to ask for her number. I don't even know if she's a Christian, right? And, uh, of course, I'm, I'm married, so I wouldn't be doing that at all. But I'm just saying that's just normal routine. You know, can I get your number, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you're a Christian, that's not how we operate. That's not how you sh- it should be. That's not what's on your mind at first. You should be uh, waiting for God's direction. And that's just a different way to think. And that's the right way to think. The equal yoke, though, comes when we both think that way. When Christian boy, Christian girl are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and their direction is spiritual and they're convicted of sin. They recognize sin in their life and they want it corrected. And uh, they're easy to correct when they're wrong. They, they accept correction. They receive correction. And uh, they are restrained. They have restraints. The Bible says, draw an eye to God and he'll draw an eye to you. But you know what? When you draw an eye to God, you actually will draw an eye to each other as well. And uh, that's how it works. And so I took a, a good deal of time embarrassing Joseph last week uh, as he recently has discovered a special someone. Where is he, by the way? Is he hiding in the back corner? Where's he at? Oh, he is hiding. Okay, he's hiding. All right, he knew what I was talking about him, so he's hiding. All right, so anyhow, um, that is the equal yoke, and that's the right way to do it. Now, on the next page then, page number six, if you have your handout, and if you don't, we we can still use the Word of God, uh, the unequal yoke, all right? In the unequal yoke, the Christian boy, and, and they're using a Christian boy and a non-Christian girl, but you, it's, it goes either way. You can have a non-Christian boy and a Christian girl, and a lot of times it's usually that way, unfortunately. But their body is the physical, it's equal. Their soul, mental, it's equal. They both have a body, they both have a soul. There's equality there. But the spiritual is the unequal part, all right? The spiritual is unequal. And uh, in this case, the Christian has, is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but the unsaved is without God. Um, he has a spiritual direction where she has no spiritual direction. He is convicted of sin. She's not. He's corrected when he's wrong. and She's not corrected when she's wrong. He has restraints. She has no restraints. And the box says the relationship is doomed. They may be well suited for each other physically. They may share the same interests and hobbies. But while they may be well matched physically and mentally, body and soul, they are very different spiritually. The Christian boy has the Holy Spirit to lead him and help him to stay clear of sin. The non-Christian girl has, it has no spiritual life. It's dead. She has only her conscience and an intellect to show her the way. And so what happens is, is that you don't have the connection there. You don't have the both of them going towards God, uh, a binding force that... Uh, that draws them closer together because they're drawing close to the Lord. Instead, she's going the opposite direction. And if he's trying to get closer to the Lord, uh, she's not. And so it's it's a divide. It's, it's a problem. And uh, he's dedicated to seeking God's will, or he should be, and she's not. No desire for God's will. <clears throat> this is why I think <clears throat> so many times the world has the most amazing, beautiful, handsome couple. And yet there, there isn't something there and usually the guy is out running around with somebody else or something else because there's not a satisfaction there. There's not a, a godliness there. And the Bible says in First John, God is love. And without God, we don't understand love. The illustration at the bottom says Ryan sat alone in the back pew. He was too ashamed to move closer. 
It all seemed so good when they were dating. She went to church then, but it wasn't long after they were married that she stopped attending and began to change. Now it's too late. If she would only consent to let my little boy come to church with me, he thought. What a sad situation. I mean, he's not even the head of his home. She's in charge of where the boy goes. And yet, that is not just a story in a box. That really does happen. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it both with men and women. Same story. I know of a story years ago of a, of a pastor that was trying to start a church, a Native American church in Rapid City. Not easy thing to do. This was years ago. This pastor, man, good man, friend of my father, and uh, they got along well, but um, the, the parents, the, the pastor and his wife, had a son who got interested and involved in a girl who was from the Assembly of God Church. And unfortunately, that's not equally yoked. You say, well, she's a Christian. Well, she said she is. And they say they are, but I'm going to tell you something. Just because they're charismatic doesn't mean they're Christian. Just because they're Baptist doesn't mean they're Christian. And in this case, they got married, and it was not with the blessing of the parents. They just they they didn't they were uncomfortable with it, and unfortunately, they allowed it to happen. I guess to an extent. But the long of it, long short of it, of the long story is, is that after a while, she was not interested in going to church at all. She wasn't even wanting to live with him anymore. And she took the child or children and moved away and, and divorced him and separate and took the children. And so the grandparents are brokenhearted. They can they can have no relationship with their grandchildren uh, because the grandparents are Christians and she wants nothing to do with them. It's it's a sad story. It happens a lot, and it doesn't need to happen. It doesn't need to end in disaster and divorce. It doesn't need to. All right. And so I don't know if you're looking for any blanks to fill in there, but. God is a binding force who is the creator and source of the universe. And he is the creator and source of true love, 1 John 4, 8. The Christian boy would be, in this case, dedicated to seeking God's will, whereas the non-Christian girl has no desire toward God or his will. And uh, and so I hope that helps you there if you're filling things out. 1 Corinthians two fourteen says, uh, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're, they're foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. I remember years ago, we had a young man sitting in the back row of our church. And this was in the old building, and there was a young woman sitting in the back row. But she wasn't interested in the things of God. She was just interested in the young boy. This was years ago in the old building. Um, and I knew that. I was just hoping that maybe she would catch some gospel, some, some, she would gain something. But she, didn't, she was not there for whatever we had to offer. She was just there because of the guy. And that didn't last, and that didn't turn out anything, and I don't even know if the guy was a Christian. But the point is is that you see it a lot where somebody is attracted to someone, whatever it might be, and I'm telling you right now, if it's not godly, it's ungodly, and you're wasting your time. Now, once in a while, God will have mercy on someone, and I've heard stories like this, where the girl was supposedly the Christian, and she got this guy to come with her to church. And in the middle of the sermon that the evangelist was preaching, the guy all of a sudden locked on to the preacher and got saved. The guy got saved and didn't want anything to do with the girl. <laughs> all right? Which is, you know, that's God reaching down and saying, I'm going to use this situation in spite of itself. All right? Um, but typically, when a girl says, I'm going to bring him to church and get him saved, and everything will be okay, it doesn't usually work that way. Don't fool yourself. 
Don't be unequally yoked. Don't go that route, all right? You want to be like Ananias. Excuse me. You don't want to be like Ananias. You want to be like Aquila and Priscilla. We talked about Sunday night. You want to be a team, and you want to work together as a team. And they were such a team that sometimes it was Aquila and Priscilla, and sometimes it's Priscilla and Aquila. I mean, you, you, you read their names interchanged that way because they were a team, and they were equally a praise the Lord when you're on the same page. Now, the practical of all this, page 7, common arguments for dating an unsaved person, but I really do love him or her. Answer, you may really love him or her in body and mind, but not in spirit. The best way that you can hope for is a two-thirds relationship. <clears throat> Or I can lead them to Christ later. Answer, check the statistics and talk to the victims. That's not what usually happens. Only by the grace of God is that going to happen. Why risk it? Because besides, God said don't do it. He's not in favor of unequally yoked. So don't do it. It's never right. This is a good quote. You should never forget it. It's never right to do wrong to have a chance to do right. It, it, the ends do not justify the means with God. It's never right to do wrong to do right. Or then he or she is everything I ever wanted or dreamed about. Answer, do you think that Satan is dumb enough to try to tempt you with an unattractive person who you have no taste for? Of course he's going to trot out his very best. He's going to allure you with something that's attractive. All right? Um, and Satan is smart enough to watch you and figure out what your dreams are. Satan is able to, the Bible talks about the wiles of the devil. The Satan, I think, knows enough about me to know my weaknesses. By the way, I do believe that God can read my thoughts, but Satan cannot read my thoughts. But what Satan can read is my actions. And Satan has seen my actions enough to kind of know some things. It's also important that we don't say as much as we think because he can hear my thinking when I say it out loud. But God can hear me think it. And so it's important that we don't give Satan any more information than necessary. So every time you are allured or you're watching or you're looking or something that Satan sees, he's, ah, and he uses that. So don't give him any more tools or any more weaknesses for him to attack you with. But when you say, they're everything I ever wanted or dreamed about, trust me, you are not the first one to say that. And you're not the first one to later say, what a nightmare. There's everything I dreamed about. Now it's a nightmare. All right? Um, that's the Hollywood world way. All right, so remedy number one, only date other Christians. If you're not sure about their testimony, wait until you are sure about their testimony. Remember, you will not marry an unsaved person if you refuse to date one. That's That makes sense. You'll probably not ever marry that unsaved person if you don't date him. Number two, pray and wait. Is God mighty enough to send the right person along? If so, why settle for less than the best? Trust the Lord. And at age 20-something, I suppose everybody thinks, oh, my goodness, pretty soon I'm going to be too old to get married. At age 20-something. It's not true, all right? So just wait patiently. <clears throat> Trust the Lord. And everybody else around you starts getting married, don't fall for it. Don't go that route. Uh, just because just your friends are getting married doesn't mean you have to. All right? Doesn't mean it's the best idea. Uh, wait. Wait on the Lord. Principle number three, don't ever trust your flesh. Don't ever trust 
your flesh. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, flee youthful lusts. And, and, and I want to be careful because I don't want to say that now that I am 50 years old, I don't have any lusts anymore. I still do. But I'll tell you what, <clears throat> when I was in the teens and 20s and 30s, it was youthful more than in the 50s and 60s and hundreds, like some of you are. Right, Mr. Adams? I mean, it's not quite, but I'm just saying there is youthful lusts out there, and we need to recognize that. And so we need to understand that youth has a weakness, and we need to be careful of that. My flesh is not naturally good. By the way, so as adult, as adults that are more mature and gray-headed and bald, you might think that certain things are okay, but you've maybe forgotten, and I've forgotten, that we used to be kids, and it's youthful lusts for them. We need to be careful. I, I would rather just say there are no adult movies. There are no adult beverages. There are no adult books. You know, if it's if it's not good for them, it's probably not good for me. I think David was probably 50-some years old when he saw Bathsheba, according to what you read. Flee youthful lusts. My flesh is not naturally good. <clears throat> Compare, no, matter what, no matter what people say, remember when I stood on that chair and said, I'm a pretty good leper. I only got leprosy. No, your flesh is not naturally good. Your flesh is evil. Your flesh is sinful. No, no, no. I come from, we, we are furzes. No, that's, that's exactly why you need to be aware of this. Your flesh is not naturally good. It's sinful and it cannot be trusted. Well, they're my kids, so it'll be different. Listen, the problem with my kids is they're half of me. And the problem with Mr. Spears' kids, you see, you just can't, you can't, you got to know that your flesh, you, you know that your flesh has weaknesses. And it's also alarming when you realize that your kids might even do stuff that you never did. My flesh is not naturally good. It's sinful and cannot be trusted. The world says otherwise. Um, Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter number 7. <clears throat> it is so much better when you just think of yourself as the chiefest of sinners and that you don't overconfident overconfidently assume that you can handle it and your kids can handle it and everything's going to be fine. Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. That was Paul who said that. We inherit it from our parents who got it from their parents. God tells us to, to be spirit controlled, not flesh controlled. Galatians chapter five sixteen says, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh be spirit controlled even George when he wrote that letter to me said pray that the Lord would keep filling me with his spirit and continue to help me to witness for him we have to be spirit controlled not flesh controlled and we must learn to possess our vessel 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 4 and 5 says possess your vessel in sanctification and honor your vessel is your responsibility possess it in sanctification and honor when Joseph was tempted by Mrs. Potiphar, he possessed his vessel well. He got out of there. First Thessalonians 4, verse 4, that every one of you know. Every one of you, excuse me, I'm going to read verse 3 and 4. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, and that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel 
and sanctification and honor. So how do you know? I think it's important that we teach, and that's exactly what we're doing tonight. I think it's important that parents teach their kids and to say, oh, when this this flashes on the screen, we turn it off. And, and, and we learn to not turn it on because we know that that's probably not going to be a good movie or that's not going to be a good thing to look at because we're used to that, okay? We, we, we're, we're used to what Satan's going to throw at us. So we're going we're gonna to beat him at this game and we're not going to allow him to uh, surprise us with anything. And that we learn how to possess our vessel in sanctification honor. We learn how to say no before it goes that far. We learn how to watch out. You're invited to a party? Well, if it's a birthday party, that's one thing. But if it's some other kind of party, hello, that happens right here in Custer County. Let's not pretend. We learn to possess our vessel in sanctification and honor. I don't, I don't know why any Christian kid needs to go to that party. Um where there's drinking and who knows what all. Not in the lust of concupiscence, but rather in sanctification and honor. Learn how to possess your vessel. Learn how to to possess it well and to treat it well and to recognize that your vessel belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your body is his temple and you're not going to allow anyone else to handle it or touch it or abuse it or defile it. All right, so that's principle number three. So how are you practically going to carry this out? Remedy number one, don't go too far some may say but how far is too far what do you mean when you say don't go too far Uh, how, how do you how do you define that when you say or do anything to arouse a desire which you cannot fulfill in a christ honoring manner you have gone too far that's what this passage is talking about verse six defrauding your brother when you've aroused a desire that's defrauding and that's wrong and women think that that's okay, and men think that's okay, but it's not. When you've aroused a desire that cannot be fulfilled to Christ in a Christ-honoring way, you've gone too far. That's a good, a good way to say it. Remedy number two, hands off. It's good for a man not to touch a woman, but to avoid fornication. Every man should have his own wife. Every sexual encounter begins with a touch. So save the physical things for marriage, and you won't have to worry about losing control of your flesh if you'll just say no physical contact until we're married just just say it oh that's so old-fashioned i don't care if it's old-fashioned or not it sure is safe and it, and it doesn't really hurt anything it's not like you can't go on a date and have a good time without having to touch someone it's just it's just you don't have to if you have to there's a problem and so i mean think about it the world knows that this is true I mean, way back when they used to wear suit coats and ties, the Beatles sang a song called I Want to Hold Your Hand. But that's not all that that goes with it. There's more to it than that. And so just learn that. And, 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 and instead of laughing at it, recognize that's, that's just a good remedy, a practical step that you can in, in, input into your life and, and just have as one of your, your rules. Put a Bible between yourselves on the seat. It will remind you of your responsibility to God and others. remember one preacher saying, you know, I travel on airplanes, and one time I was sitting, I I went to sit down, and there was a very attractive woman sitting next to me, and she kind of looked like she was not a very good woman. He said, I instantly pulled out a tract and said, I'm a preacher, and I'd just like to share the gospel with you. And what that did was kind of set the tone for the entire flight. 
put a Bible between you or something, just to remind you of what who you are and what and, and and remind them of who you are. Joseph said to Mrs. Potiphar, "How can I sin against God? How can I do this and sin against God?" Boy, as soon as he brought up God, it kind of deflated the whole uh, atmosphere. I'm sure for her. Remedy four: Don't put yourself in a loaded situation. What does that mean? Well, Romans chapter 13. Let's look at it and talk about it. Romans chapter 13. Don't put yourself in a loaded situation. It says in Romans 13 at the end of the chapter, verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So what is a loaded situation? A loaded situation is when you have a room full of dynamite and you walk in with a match in your in your hand. I would strongly recommend you not light that match. Why? Because the room is full of a loaded situation. And guess what? Your body is is a loaded situation, especially when you are a young person. And hormones and emotions and all kinds of stuff are happening. That's a loaded situation. Don't drop by a girl's house to visit her if her parents aren't home. Don't sit alone or meet in dark, secluded areas. Allow your teens to suggest answers here, it says. Let them come up with some good examples that they have observed. In other words, as a teacher, what else could you think of that wouldn't be a good It's a loaded situation. Don't allow it. Be careful of even conversation on the phone. And now, and I don't think it's happening with anybody in our church, but now there is a texting problem with pictures. What foolishness. Be aware of loaded situations. Be aware of the dynamite that could explode if you go too far. Now, letter D, principle number four. Keep a clean mind. This is going to help immensely. Psalm 101 verse 3 says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Don't set wicked things before your eyes. So, you know, TV set or smartphone or laptop or tablet. Don't allow things like that to be set before your eyes. And you might want to consider investing in a internet filter. We have an internet filter and it's not perfect. We have to make sure that the application stays updated or it can not work like it's supposed to. But we have an internet filter and we... Uh, we try to you know make all of our kids on it um Hannah's married now and we're, we're not she's not involved in it but our our young men all three of our young men are not married and so we just I pay for it and we just have all of them on there and um uh two nights ago it it popped up because Sam Furs texted something to hot mama well, he, he on his phone, my wife's phone number is Hot Mama. That's what he calls her. Well, that just tells you how sensitive this filter is because it flagged Sam Furs for Hot Mama. Well, you know what? We had a good laugh at that. But I'd re- I mean, now, I am not trusting in a filter. The filter will fail. The filter's just a filter. But, you know, I recognize that we're in a world where Algorithms are on purpose. And anything you look at, anything, that 
the YouTube, anything, all that stuff, it, they know, and they, they, and and just like Satan, they know that you watch that for three seconds or five seconds, and so they'll try to throw another one. They know that you looked at that for five or ten seconds. Boom! They'll hand, they'll send you. They know all that because it's all about marketing, marketing, marketing. And you need to understand that it's just like never before. When I was a kid, there was no such thing as, you know, cell phones and smartphones and all that stuff, or even laptop computers. We didn't have all that. We didn't have desktop computers when I was a kid. Uh, it was just coming out, and we didn't have one in our house. All we had was TV and cable and dish. And, you know, that was the big thing. But now it's everywhere. Understand this is a big, big deal. So keep a clean mind. Satan wants to ruin your mind. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you by the mercy of God that you present your bodies and that you be renewed in your mind. Our minds are to be renewed in Christ. We have to be renewed. That's why going to church is so important because you got to flush out the garbage, man. I mean, all of us get bombarded with junk and, and that we never even wanted to look at or see. And so just to, just to flush it out with the renewing of our mind, we should bring every thought, First, Second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, to bring every, cast down every false imagination and bring every thought to the obedience of Christ to check it at the door. Uh, you've seen those movies where they've got this little slot. Halt, who goes there? You know. What are they doing? They're checking it at the door. And you've got to say the password. And then they'll open the, the strong door and let you in. That's how your thoughts should be. Your thoughts should be checked. Hold it. Wait a minute. What are we go- where are we going with that thought? What are we thinking about? Remember what Jesus said? If a man lusts in his heart, he's committing adultery. So keep a clean mind. This will help a lot. Don't pollute your mind. Remedy number one, television, movies, music, magazines, and the internet can all be sources for a mental pollution. Television, movies, music, internet. Never allow a Satan to use your mind like a garbage can. And there are so many young people whose minds are full of garbage already. Number two, remedy number two, keep your thought life clean. Thoughts are the seeds of actions. You'll never have actions until you have thoughts. Those of us that go to the Hope Ministry on Friday night, we know how this works. You don't get an addiction first. You get a thought first. And then a thought turns into an action, and an action turns into a habit, and now you have an addiction. But it starts with the thinking. And addictions aren't just alcohol. They're also pornography. They're also lots of things. Keep your thought life clean. Thoughts are the seeds of actions. Control your thought life or it will control you. Number three, remedy number three, flood your mind with truth. Through Bible study, prayer, good books, good preaching, flood out the trash with the truth. That's why I just said go to church all the time because it helps to flush out. You know what they say about Evan's Plunge? They say that that huge pool flushes out every half hour or hour. That's part of the reason why it's healthy, because it's so fresh. That's pretty amazing when you see the size of that water, and it just it's completely flushed out every you know, 30, 60 minutes. That's how our mind should be, constantly flushed out. Yeah, it was there, but it's gone. And, I mean, it should just be flushed out. And that's why Philippians 4.8 says that we should, what sort of things are pure, honest, lovely, good report? Think on these things. And uh, Psalms 1, 1 through 3 Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, standeth not in the way of sinners, sitteth not in the seat of the scornful. 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that is fruitful. Why? Because he's allowing his mind to not be focused and hanging around the negative. Uh, I, I just don't recommend today's television. I don't even know what's playing on today's television. I know about 10 or 20 years ago they had some episode called Friends, and it was fornication with humor. That's what it was. And all, I think most all of it now is you got to go back a long ways to find TV shows that I think are even decent to watch. And I don't. We don't pay for TV. Why would we? But you got to be aware of what's happening. Flood out the trash with the truth. These young people, they're, they're so precious. I really, I really do care for them. But they, they're, it's in front of their face every day. Their parents got a screen that's like as big as my refrigerator, only sideways, and it's blaring something on the screen. Their parents are <clears throat> conversing and doing things in front of them. And and it just, it's amazing, the grace of God, that they can get over that. Letter E, <clears throat> principle number five, avoid even questionable practices. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, avoid even the appearance of evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil, even if it doesn't look good. You know, I, I try real hard not to be with another woman besides my wife ever. As a matter of fact, and I appreciate this, when we drive the vans down to the school, a lot of times Lexi will drive one van and then us guys will ride in the other van down to the school. We get down to the school then all the kids get in the vans, and then one guy's in one van, one guy's in the other van, Lexi's in one of the vans. But she's just not in the van with a guy. Well, that's a good thing. I'm, I'm glad that she's conscientious of that. I'm glad that's that's something that she's concerned about. I don't think anybody in town would think anything of seeing a man and a woman in a van, a church van, but it's a good testimony. And and even even Mike Pence had a rule that he would never be with a, any woman but his wife. And they made fun of him for that. Billy Graham was never with anyone but his wife. That was a good rule. They make fun of people like that, but you know what? It's real hard to accuse someone who has that rule in their life. Because if that's the rule they have in their life, then it's real hard to believe that those people are doing something because they are never seen with any other woman. Think about it, or man. So, Romans 13, 14, again, uh, make no provision for the flesh. Never give your sinful flesh a free ticket. Never make it easy. I'm going to tell you something. There were there was times in my life as a young man and as a young teenage man, young man, where the only thing that I believed, besides just saying the grace of God, what kept me from blowing up and doing something destructive to myself was the was the rules or the standards that I was given. Okay? Those rules and standards and upbringing that I was given kept me and protected me and kept me from having a problem that would have been too far, that would have exploded my flesh. And when you don't have those rules and standards, guess what? You find yourself in a situation. And if you want to know a perfect example, read Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7 is the story of the simple guy who went the wrong way and ended up walking by the harlot's house. See, the smart guy says, I, I know she lives there, and I know she's always advertising. 
So the smart guy says, I'm just going to go the long way around. In Proverbs chapter 7, the simple guy, he didn't. The Bible says he was caught into a snare. And I'm telling you right now that a young man with good rules and good standards in his life, even when his flesh is raging with with lust or temptation, there's going to be a, an easier way to run from it if you have some biblical standards. So avoid the appearance of evil. Recognize if this even looks bad, you're not going to be around it. So practical. Remedy number one, be accountable. If your parents allow you to go out, let them know where you are, will be and for how long. And I recommend never alone. Remedy number two, dress modestly. Do not cause someone else to sin by your appearance. Number three, avoid being alone. Don't isolate yourselves from parents, youth leaders, etc. No long, lonely conversations in the dark. And principle number six, letter F, make Christ the priority. Place your love for Christ above anyone else. Seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Place him above anyone else. If he or she is not really interested in Christ, then you shouldn't be interested in them. Allow Christ absolute control of your life. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Allow Christ to be absolute control of your life. And even if you have to give up a girlfriend or boyfriend, let Christ be number one. I have a son right now who's going through that right now. He had a girlfriend, but it just wasn't right. I, my daughter had a boyfriend, but it just wasn't right. And it wasn't long for them to understand. It's not right. We're going to stop this. Practical application. Remedy number one. Have devotions and prayer time together. Why should it embarrass you or even seem awkward? Now, don't be alone. You know, what are you doing in a dark alley? or having devotions. No, no, no. Um, but have devotions. Uh, John, Mark, and Hannah did. Um, they, would, they would have devotions over the phone. You know, you can do FaceTime now. Um, and when, when he would visit, they would get together like before vacation Bible school started in the morning and they would uh, sit out on the under the gazebo thing there and, and uh, read their Bible together. Fine, you know. Um, that's not a bad thing. Just use wisdom. Number two, attend Christian activities together such as church, youth activities and revivals. Be sure, if your boyfriend or girlfriend is never with you at church, that's not good. Youth activities, revivals, be sure that it's in a good fundamental Bible preaching church because liberal churches and youth groups have few, if any, standards at all. They don't care what you're doing in the dark alley. They don't care as long as you showed up and count your number. But if you are in a godly church, they care what you are doing because they care about you. It's not because they're trying to ruin your life. It's because they're trying to keep your dynamite from exploding. And then remedy number three, make choices based on prayer. If you are not sure, wait until you are sure. And principle number seven, letter G, find the will of God. That's, that's really what this is all about. Find God's will, not your own will. Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six says, trust in the Lord with all that heart and lean not to thine own understanding. And there's no better way to explain that than lean to, oh, but he's so handsome. Oh, she's so beautiful. Oh, I just feel so wonderful. It feels so right, it can't be wrong, the song says. Lean not into your own understanding. Let God direct your path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Joseph's not really, he's not really a 
perfect guy, but he's okay. And he's okay enough that God is leading and directing him, I think. And I appreciate that. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And uh, it was totally not Joseph's plan to go on a trip two weeks ago and meet someone. Uh, but I think God was in, in on that. And uh, Joseph would like me to move on to the next point. God's will is a path without regrets. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. Let's read that. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I hope that you live a life that there's, there's no regrets. There's no major chapters of regret because you didn't go that route. You went the right route. All right, so practical in all this, and we'll, we're almost done. Remedy number one, make plans to attend a Christian college or at least a, if not a Christian college, and I'm not saying you have to go to Christian college, but make plans to attend things that are Christian, like youth rallies or Christian camps or conferences or fellowships or, uh, you know, like Sunday school bus conferences or something like that where you might meet somebody. Uh, I'm just saying, you're going to put yourself in a place where other Christian young people are, where Christians are at. What better place to find God's will and someone special, right, Joseph? Than than where you're 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 in the you're on the same uh, page. You're going the same direction. Um, so, and and I do not recommend, and I did not do it for my kids. I do not recommend just sending your child to Christian college so they can meet a Christian kid, although I, I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. But I do know that, you know, that they used to say there are girls going to college and they're just going for their MRS degree. Uh, you know, they just want to get married. And and I suppose, you know, that's the the, the, the chance of finding someone, at a, you know, fine, whatever. But please don't. Please don't do that. Um, don't because first of all, it's a lot of money, and you're 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 literally moving yourself to a different location. It might not be where God wants you to be. And what I love is when you just do what you think God wants you to do, and you are where God wants you to be, and you say, "Oh, but it's it's Custer, South Dakota, and there's only like two thousand people in town, and there's like eight thousand people in the whole county." I think, how am I ever going to find someone? Well, God's pretty big. God can handle that. God knows exactly where you are. And he's he's doing fine in that department. Trust him. Just trust him. Um, so make plans to at least place yourself in the right area. If And, and going to Christian college could be a, a very good thing, especially just for a year. You know, Josh went for just one year. He didn't meet anyone there. He wasn't looking for someone there. Hannah went for two years, and she technically didn't meet someone in college. Uh, she met John Mark at a, at a wedding. But being around the right people, God helps you to meet the right people. Remedy number two, seek counsel from a godly pastor or youth leader. Their experience can be a great help to you. Your your quest to know the will of God will be their first concern. And that's absolutely the the case. Your pastor or youth leader wants the best for you. They're looking out for you. 
<clears throat> and they have more wisdom probably and discernment than you do. And they can probably recognize some things that you might not recognize. Remedy number three, pray. Pray with that boy or girlfriend often and ask God to work out his will in both your lives. If your motives are wrong, they will get right or get out. Remedy number four, don't be in a hurry. Maturity is important in courtship too. Early is unwise. What happens when you start dating at 16 and you start getting madly in love at 17? Well, you're probably going to have to get married at 18. And I'm not saying getting married at 18 is a sin. But I don't recommend it. I just don't. I mean, if we lived 150 years ago, it might be different. But I just, I just don't know very many mature 18-year-olds. So be wise. Be careful. But the problem is, is we allow them to start too young and get all infatuated. If, if you're going to have girlfriends or boyfriends, make sure that you are not just isolating like we were talking about before. Because if you start zeroing on one person and that's all you ever do is you're around that one person, boy, pretty soon you're either going to have to break up or get married. Be careful. Be wise. Be discerning. Uh, have friends, plural, and let maturity run its course and it's it, it just don't don't be too early it's unwise and then remedy number five before you ever get into a relationship with a boy or girl write out your personal convictions from from the bible write down what you believe the bible says about it write down write it down about who and how to build a relationship if you don't have any then by all means get some and um I'm thankful that my children learned some lessons from having a girlfriend or a boyfriend and didn't marry that person, but learned some lessons. And then realized, oh boy, I wow, I had no idea that I was that susceptible or that easily fooled in some way or whatever. I'm thankful that I was able to see through that before it was too late. Um, this ought to be serious. Remember years ago, someone all of a sudden got married. I mean, like, boom. And uh, I said, wow, I didn't even realize they knew each other that well. And the mother said something like, well, it's better that they get married than just live together. And I just kind of, I didn't say anything because it's too late to say anything. But I thought to myself, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, I think living together is terrible. But marrying the wrong person is for life. I mean, that's, that's, that's irreparable damage. I mean, living together is damage. But it's never right to do wrong to do right. And, and if you ended up having a relationship that you shouldn't have had with someone, don't compound the problem by getting married to them when you already know that probably isn't the right person to marry. In other words, don't marry because they're pregnant. I mean, it's, it's a terrible, horrible thing that fornication was committed, but don't, don't compound it by trying to cover it up with a marriage license. And so before you ever get there, think about it. And parents, don't wait till they're 16 to decide you should probably th start thinking about this. As parents, we should be thinking and, and praying and, and, and guiding them in, in the right way so that we know how to curb those things as they come. Where do I stand? If you currently have a boyfriend, girlfriend, 
would you feel comfortable having devotions or praying with them? Or would they laugh at you or be a shock that you're a Christian? Or would they be kind of really uncomfortable with it? Are you certain that your girlfriend or boyfriend is a Christian? If you answered no, what do you plan to do about it? And so then you can use these these things that it has here to start writing down some things for yourself. Um, and I know that there are people who, who might disagree with something I said tonight, but I do believe that most of what I talked about tonight can be backed up with the Bible. I do think that physical touch is a huge a huge thing that people mock mock and laugh at today. But I'm reminded of the guy that was hiring a driver for his carriage 150 years ago. And he lived up on a mountain on a mansion, and it was a winding road with a very steep cliff. And he needed a driver to drive the horse and buggy carriage. So he talked to the first guy, and he said, how good of a driver are you? Oh, I'm a very good driver. I'm such a good driver. I could get my wheel so close to the edge, you could hardly lay the whip between my wheel and the edge of the cliff. I can get my wheel, the chariot, or the carriage that close. Wow, he was impressed. Talked to the same guy. And he said, how good of a driver are you? And he bragged about how, you know, how, how, how close can you get to the edge? And, well, I, I can get pretty close to the edge, and I'm, I'm pretty. And they both kind of bragged about how close they could get to the edge. He interviewed the last guy. He wasn't even sure if he was going to talk to him. He thought, oh, I'll go ahead. He's, so tell me, how good of a driver are you? How close can you get the wheel of the, chair, or the carriage to the edge of the cliff? And the driver looked at him and said, I have no idea. I never try to get close to the cliff. He said, you're hired. How did I get to thinking that the other thing was smart? And kids that say, well, I can go this far, and I can drink that, and I can do this, and it never, Why? I can light matches in front of dynamite. Why? You're, you're playing Russian roulette. Why, why are you doing that? Maybe, maybe God spared you and you missed blowing your head off because it rolled to the wrong cylinder. But why? That doesn't mean that everybody else should be that foolish. So use wisdom. And all of us who are old and gray-headed anyway, we know that physical touch isn't what makes love love. We know there's more to it than that. So let's not give the young people a wrong impression that love is what the world says it is. And uh, young people, maybe you have not had it demonstrated to you very well, but you can learn and you can let God teach you and show you. And if you will, if you want him to, he will show you and you'll learn well. Don't be unequally yoked. I was telling some young people not too long ago, I hope I marry you someday. And they looked at me like, and I said, no, no, I mean marry you to somebody else. <laughs> oh, okay. Pastor, you scared me there for a minute. I hope that one day you're standing here and he's standing here and she's standing, you know, and, and I get to marry you because I want to, because I am putting my stamp of approval on that. That's what I want. And um, it's important that we recognize Satan does not want that. Satan wants to blow that up. Don't let him. Don't let him. You just be patient. Wait on the Lord, and he'll 
give you the right one at the right time. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity.